As you can see, we're going to begin a new series today. I've been looking forward to this for some time. We're going to spend quite a bit of time walking through the Gospel of John so that we can get to know Jesus in a, in a better way. That is kind of the purpose of the Gospels. The Gospels are, the, are what we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospel is the story of Jesus. Those four books tell Jesus' story. You say, why do you need four people to tell one story? Well, for example, yesterday in one of the football games, the player caught the ball right very close to, uh, to the end zone on one side and out of bounds on the other. And as he came down, they couldn't tell if his foot actually touched the ground so that it was a clean catch and the ball would go there right next to the end zone. Or if he didn't get his foot down in time, then it's an incomplete pass and they got to go back where they were 150 yards away, whoever. <laughs> so they didn't have one perspective that would prove that the call on the field was correct that he had caught the ball what they did was they got one angle that showed when his foot hit the ground and a different angle that showed that he had control of the ball at that same moment with two angles they had the full picture you have four gospels because they tell the story from four different perspectives. And when we hear four different perspectives, we get the full picture. It's similar to the way that investigators would always prefer to have more than one witness to an event because you have different perspectives. We're going to look at John's gospel. And our goal is to spend some time really talking about Jesus and getting to know him better. So as we begin the study of the book of John, it reminds me of the scene in The Sound of Music when our heroine is talking with the kids. She's just beginning to teach them about music. And she teaches them the Do-Re-Mi song. And in the Do-Re-Mi song, she says, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. So where would we begin our study of the book of John? That's right. Let's go all the way to the end. Let me show you John 20. <laughs> we have to start here. For the book to be fully understood. In John 20 at verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Why was the Gospel of John written? John wrote the gospel so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. The word Christ 
is the, the, the Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah. It's the same word. John wrote his gospel so that you would believe that Jesus was the one that God promised and that God's people had looked for for hundreds of years, longing for his coming. Jesus was the Christ. He was also the Son of God. John is going to help us understand what that phrase means, but he wants to make sure that we understand he wrote the book so that we would believe that Jesus is God's own Son, and that by believing that He is the Christ and the Son of God, by believing in those truths, you may have life in His name. That word believe is very important in the Gospel of John. You're going to find that word over 90 times in the Gospel of John. However, you will never find the noun version of it. Belief. It's not in the gospel. Every single time, over 90 times, John uses that word. It is always in a verb form, active, vital, that you believe. We have our beliefs, our thoughts, our set of understanding, but to believe in his name is to thrust ourselves on him, is to trust him. It's a verb that, that calls us to action. That is the point of the gospel. With that in mind, let's start by getting to know Jesus in John chapter 1, and we're going to begin at verse 1. This morning, the goal is getting to know Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That one verse is so packed with powerful truths, with incredible information. We could spend all three of these months on that one verse. We could even spend a couple of weeks on the first three words. In the beginning. It ties us to Genesis. It, it reminds us that when things started, he already was. You see, it says, in the beginning was. In other words, Jesus was not a part of creation. He was before time was put into being. He was before the mountains were formed, before the rivers ran. He was before there was a creation. Jesus has always been. The Son of God has always been. Now, you and I can't figure that out because everything we know has a beginning and an ending. Everything we know starts and ends because we live in a temporal, in other words, time 
constraint. We, we live in a reality that is driven by time. But what if time itself did not exist? God the Son existed before time. Therefore, you don't have to figure out what was before Him. There was nothing before Him. There was no time before Him. He has always been. He is eternal. The fact that in the beginning was the Word tells us that He is God. We know that He is God because He is eternal. He is pre-existent. The first thing that we learn from chapter 1 of the book of John is that Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to prove to you that when it talks about the Word, it's talking about Jesus. For now, until we get to verse 14. For now, take my word for that, okay? The Word was with God and the Word was God before the beginning began. How can one be with God and be God at the same time? You just asked the question that theologians have been wrestling with since Jesus came. Before Jesus came, in the Old Testament we see the Trinity represented. How can one be with God and be God is one of the great mysteries of the Trinity. Three persons. One God. God has revealed himself to us that we might better understand him in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. God the Son, the Word that has always been, was with God and was God at the same, in the same experience from before there was time. Yea is right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word, Word, is incredibly powerful in itself. It is the Word Logos. Logos is the Word that we, that, that became our Word logic. It means reason, idea, concept. The understanding that we have of God has always been God and with God. The only God that we've ever phys physically been able to see, Jesus of Nazareth, was the logos, the concept, the idea, the reality of God from before there was time. Jesus is God. When everything else began, he already was. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. The second thing that, I, that we learn from this great chapter is that Jesus is the Word, the Logos. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. That that 
idea, thought, reason, the truth of who God is, is in the person of Jesus Christ. Now you say that's not how we use the word word. Well, isn't it? If, if I want you to believe something, I tell you I'm going to do such and such, and I want you to believe I'm going to do it, I say, you have my word. I have presented to you an idea, a concept. I have actually revealed a piece of myself to you. You have my word. And then when I complete whatever I told you I would do, I can demonstrate that by saying I kept my word. I still haven't figured out how I got to keep it if I gave you my word, but the point is we use the word in the same way. We use kind of a logos idea to explain a reality within ourselves. Our words reveal what's going on inside our minds. We reveal ourselves in our words. God reveals himself in logos. In the beginning was the word, and the word is Jesus. We then learn in John chapter 1 that Jesus is the creator. He is the creator. I think most of us usually think of God the Father as the creator. But Scripture teaches us that Jesus himself, and when I say Jesus, I really should say God the Son. Jesus really lived for 33 years. God the Son was actively involved in creation itself. In verse 3 it says, all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. He was creator. Now, if you put what we just learned, that he is the word, together with the idea that he is creator, it begins to make sense when we remember how God created. You remember how he created? He said, let there be light. He spoke the world's world's into existence. Upon his word, creation happened. And therefore, through the word, the revelation of God, the Son of God, through Jesus Christ, all that was made was made through him. Jesus is the creator. Paul fleshed that out for us a little bit and helped us understand it more in the book of Colossians chapter 1 at verse 16. In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is the creator. John then introduces us to Jesus. It says that Jesus is the life. Jesus is the life. He is God. He is the Word. He is the Creator. And He is life. Look at verse 4. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. In Him was 
life, and life was the light of men. You're going to see through John certain themes that repeat themselves. And in this one verse, we get two key words that happen over and over and over in John. We hear about life and we hear about light throughout this great gospel. And, and those two things represent who Jesus is. He is life. He is light. In him was life, and life was the light of men. Remember why, G, why John wrote the gospel? I showed it to you just a moment ago. He, showed it, he, he wrote it so that we might know that Jesus is the Christ, and the Son of God, and that by believing, we might have life. He is the life. He told us that, and John recorded it a little bit later in his gospel. John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. His purpose in coming was to bring life. Again, in this same great gospel, just a little bit later in John 14, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, look, he says, I am the life. Not that I come bringing it to you separate from myself. I am it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You don't find life until you come to Christ. The Son of God is life. Similarly, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. We continue in our text in verse 4 again. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, John has, has made a huge jump here. He has sp spoken to us of the most amazing, powerful high and glorious thoughts. And then almost as a shocker, he backs up and speaks about human things in, in time and on the earth and normal people. He has gone from the light, which is Jesus. The light shines in the darkness. Darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is victorious. The light will shine and then he wants to make sure we understand something. So he takes a breath, he backs up, and he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He is not speaking of himself. He is speaking of another who was named John. The author of the gospel is one of the 12 disciples. James and John were brothers. They were the sons of Zebedee. Jesus gave them the nickname, the Sons of Thunder, because they were always stirring something up. John was Jesus' best friend. 
He earned the nickname, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's the one who wrote the book. Now he is telling us about a different John. John the baptizer. John the dude that was weird. Dude dressed up in camel hair. Ate crickets. Hung out by his own self. He was odd when compared to everyone around him. That was true, by the way, of almost all prophets. And Jesus said John was the greatest prophet who ever lived. John, the baptizer. Verse 7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. John's entire purpose in life, John the baptizer had one reason to live. His one reason to live was to say to everyone around him, look at the light. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. That's why he lived. That's what he did. That's why he came. Before Jesus came on the scene, John was saying, hey, somebody's coming. He's coming. The light's about to shine. The Messiah's on his way. He's coming. Y'all get ready. And then when Jesus shows up on the scene, it is John who says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It is that John the baptizer that, that John the evangelist refers to here he came as a witness to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him he was not the light he came to bear witness to the light you see how he's referring to jesus over and over about that he is the light verse 9 the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world the true light was coming into the world John told people to get ready for him. And notice as well in verse 9, the true light not only came into the world, but in verse 9 it says that he gives light to everyone. Then why are there still some who wander in darkness? Because although the light was given to them, they did not receive it. There are to this day people who choose not to, to receive the free gift. Jesus says the light of the world has come and he has offered, he has given light to all who are in darkness. But you in your pride and your arrogance and your rebellion can say, I don't want the light. And you remain in your own darkness. John pointed to the one who is the light of the world. Again, in this great gospel later on, Jesus refers to himself and tells us that he was indeed that light that John predicted. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have 
the light of life. But notice, in order to have the light of life, he says, those who follow me will not be in darkness. It is that verb of belief, those who follow me, not just those who accept the concept, who, who give intellectual assent to the truths, but those who follow, those who believe, can have light, the light of life. He is the light of the world, which is heartbreaking then when we realize that he was rejected. And yet that is John's next message to us, part of the gospel, part of, of John's description of Jesus' life has to include that he was rejected. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The world was made through him. Here is the creator who has entered into creation, and all of creation should have celebrated and welcomed him. Here is our creator who has chosen to be among us, but instead, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. It is not by accident that Jesus was born a Jew. He came to his own people. Those that had heard from generation to generation to generation, the hope of Messiah had been passed down. They'd been longing for him to come. They thought about Messiah coming every morning, noon, and night. And yet when he finally came, they rejected him. It is mind-blowing and heartbreaking. And yet, they had already built their view of reality. And in their rebellion and pride, they said, we don't need that one. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He came to the people of God, and the people of God rejected him. Therefore, he said, okay, those who do receive me and believe will be God's children. Not just a nation of God, but a family of God. He welcomes those who trust and believe in him. And they become, his, they become God's children. 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It speaks of that second birth. Ye must be born again. There's the physical birth, and then those who believe experience a spiritual birth. And he refers to that, and that is the way we become children of God. Understand, friends, that you will never go to heaven in a crowd. The crowd goes down the broad road to destruction, but the way that leads to eternal life is a narrow way chosen by few. The crowd rejected him, but those who did 
receive and believe, he gave the opportunity to become children of God. March 11, 1991, the most powerful man in the world had to prove his own identity. The President of the United States was reading to third graders at an elementary school in Alexandria, Virginia. As he was reading, eight-year-old Anthony Henderson interrupted and said, Are you really the president? The president answered, Yeah. Didn't you know that? Did you think I was pretending? Anthony said, Yes. To prove his identity, the president pulled out his Texas driver's license, showed it to the little boy, while he read his name out loud, B-U-S-H, George Herbert. Then he showed Anthony his American Express card. Then he pointed out the, the window to the big black limousine parked outside, and he said, who else but the president would come to an elementary school in a car like that? And Anthony was finally convinced. Here is the creator, the one who was before the beginning, who entered into his own creation in order that he might bring life and light and his own people refused to believe he was who he said he was. Robert McKimsey wrote that song in 1934 that we now sing from time to time at Christmas. Sweet little Jesus boy, they made you be born in a manger. Sweet little holy child, we didn't know who you was. We didn't know you came to save us, Lord, to take our sins away. Our eyes was blind. We couldn't see. We didn't know who you was. But those who did believe, to them he gave opportunity to become children of God. Jesus was rejected, and finally Jesus was human. Jesus was human. In verse 14, we have John's version of the Christmas story. In the book of Matthew, it takes an entire chapter or two to tell the Christmas story. In the book of Luke, it takes all of chapter two to tell the Christmas story. In the book of John, the Christmas story is told in one, two, three, four, five words. And the word became flesh. That is John's Christmas story. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh, and we got to see Him. He became human so that we might interact with Him, that we might see Him, And in him, we saw the glory of God. 
Colossians 2, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And so we sing with Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man, with us to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. The Gospel of John tells the story of how the Creator who existed before the beginning entered into His creation, became a human being, that he might bring to other human beings life and light if we would only believe.